0: Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. It is January 27th, 2022. This is episode number 97, season 8, episode 5. We are counting down toward number 100. It is ever so close. I'll introduce today's guest in a moment and a quick look at what's ahead. We're going to have Justin Rowan from the Chase Down podcast, the official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers. He had his partner, Carter Rodriguez, on before. The week after, we're going to have Noah Nightingale. And for number 100, we will have Tim Alcorn. But for today, he is one-third of the On the NBA Beat podcast, also part of the Hoops podcast network. His name is Aaron Fishman. And, Aaron, it is great to finally get you on Across the Cavs. We've been planning this for a while, man. It's great to get you on.
1: Hey, Zach, it's exciting to be here. I'm glad that we can finally do it. Yeah, absolutely. So Aaron and I have been, we were on Zoom for about 25 minutes and then came to the
0: conclusion that this might work best as an audio call. So now here we are on the phone. Have you you recorded a podcast via phone before, Aaron?
1: It's been a long time. I have. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't the host. I was the guest, so I didn't have to really worry about a lot of the logistics.
0: Yeah, I'll say this. You know, I think I'm counting today is maybe the fifth different platform across the Cavs has been recorded on. But nonetheless, Bruce. Aaron, you're you're very versatile. You're you're a big NBA guy, and so before we talk about the Cavs and about All Star snubs, tell me. I know you missed the game live, but tell me about your reaction to the Clippers, your favorite team, coming from 35 back against the Wizards a couple nights ago because that was crazy.
1: Yeah, that was exhilarating, I guess, if I had to pick one word. I was reading the ESPN recap, and there were so many stats that I I couldn't believe. I don't remember any off the top of my head. But, well, one of them was it's the second biggest halftime deficit overcome since 1996-97 when they started keeping those stats, or when – more easily accessible, and that was the um, Stockton Malone Jazz came back against Denver, I believe. But they were down by, I think it was 31 at halftime? 30? Maybe 30 at halftime, but they they were down by 35 at one point. Yeah. Just a crazy finish. And also, the last thing I'll say is Luke Kennard did his best Reggie Miller impersonation. He had seven, it wasn't nine points, eight seconds, but it was seven points in... What was it? Like, eight point something seconds? I don't yeah, know so exactly, what? but three and then a, a four-point play with 1.7 to go.
0: Yeah, Reggie had eight points nine seconds. Luke had seven points nine seconds,
1: so he oh. right there.
0: Yeah. But, I, I mean, I'm a big Luke Kennard guy. I mean, I questioned the trade to the Clippers originally, but then he started getting playoff minutes and it started to make sense, and... I couldn't tell you how many guys have been out this year. It stinks. We haven't seen Jason Preston just because he wasn't healthy. I think he would have gotten some burn this year. But Reggie Jackson's Mm -hmm. played 20 minutes in back-to-back games, and they've won both, which is crazy to me given how the year began. Eric Bledsoe, I think, has looked really good for you guys. And I think uh, some of the younger guys, like Jay Scrub, our old pal Isaiah Hardenstein, and uh, even – Mere coffee. I'm happy he's finally getting minutes. I don't know why they decided to begin starting him after he was getting DNP CDs for a third year in a row. But he, I think he, he him and Brandon Boston, everyone's had their moments. I think what's great, and then we'll move to the All Star snubs, Aaron. About your Clipper team is that while PG has been out for a while now, and Kawhi's been out, and Ibaka's very rusty, every player that they have on the roster is playing their tail off, and I'm just very impressed that they're hovering around 500, and then a. Very poor West, but pretty much a lock for the playoffs. So I think it's great, and they're going to get a lot of good
1: experience for next year. Before you move on to the All-Stars, can I just react to that really quickly? Yes, please. I, I just wanted to say the playing time and rotations have been erratic, but you could argue that's been a good thing. Tyron Lue's been really open-minded and versatile and just, and just um, flexible with putting people in when others have struggled badly. Reggie Jackson has been struggling badly lately, so Amir Coffey's gotten more point guard minutes. And then, like you said, some guys get DNPs, and then they're playing 25 or 30 minutes the next night. So it's really exciting to see. And also, in um, January, the Clippers have had three huge comeback victories. So it's problematic in one respect, but they've been really resilient. And despite having some horrible first quarters. They just keep playing hard, and they've found a way to put some Ws together.
0: Yeah, and they're a team I'm definitely rooting for. I mean, I was really hoping they'd come out of the West last year. DeAndre denied those wishes, but, you know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> the thing
0: for me is which former Cavs can get some glory, and, you know, it's great seeing Isaiah right now rocking for you guys. I don't know what the center rotation is mm-hmm. supposed to look like or what they're doing with Ibaka. He has had random G League stints. But my hope for them is that, you know, trust Ty, and I think he'll get it right. I think they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So, And there we go. That's the Clippers. And now... Talk about the all-star starters. The Clippers put together a very aggressive Paul George campaign. I'll see him post pretty much every single day on Instagram and Twitter. But uh, sorry, uh, Clipper Nation, it did not quite work. But here's what we do have for you. We'll start with the East. Backcourt, Trey Young and DeMar DeRozan. Trey did not qualify for the game at all last year after starting two years ago. Good that he's getting the nod. DeMar DeRozan has been an all-star several times before. I don't believe he made it any of his Spurs years. So good that he's back and starting. He's been incredible. KD will start at small four, but will obviously not play in the game from his MCL injury, so we'll see who gets the replacement nod. Front court, it's pretty obvious. Giannis, Embiid, bang, bang. We go to the west. Jatavius Morant, absolutely incredible season for Jaw. 40, 40 points last night. He's great. He'll start, predicted this actually, the first week of the season, so I'm really happy to see it come to fruition that he's starting We got Steph next to him. You know, he's been horrendous of late. I should be joined by a teammate, not Draymond, not Claymond. Andrew Wiggins. Yes, Andrew Wiggins is starting in the game, former Cav for like a month. You could get pictures of him in practice hanging out and getting traded for K-Love. Then they got LeBron and Jokic. So I think we both have the same thought, Aaron. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, question
1: mark? Yeah, same thought. Rudy Gobert, there are a number of guys who could have and should have taken Andrew Wiggins' a spot in the Western Conference starting lineup, but the first that stands out to me is Rudy Gobert. It's just been beastly what he's done this season, and he's also an offensive threat. He's just You can lob it to him if you get in trouble, and he's averaging like 16 and 15 or something like that this year, so he's been a dominant force. On both sides of the ball and we saw what happened to utah when he was out first he missed one game i think with a sore shoulder and then he was in the health and safety protocols now he's out again and utah continues to struggle so for a lot of reasons i would make the case that it should have been rudy gobert but there are other people that could have been like carl anthony towns or or others great season for wiggins just shouldn't be a starter
0: I wouldn't even put him in the game, honestly. But, you know, we can have that conversation later. A guy I think should get a little of is Anthony Edwards. Not to start, but Minnesota mm-hmm. is 24 and 23. Pretty much the same, I think. They've had the same season as the Clippers, just the personnel grouping is very different. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I hope he gets in as a reserve. I really do. I mean, he's mm-hmm. putting up ridiculous lines. I mean, we could have seen Booker maybe as a small forward. We go up and down the conference. But, I, I mean, at the end of the day – What's done is done.
1: I mean, you you
0: think about all the teams in the West, it's almost impossible. Like, Shea Gill just probably won't make it this year, and he's an all-star player, in my opinion. There's so many guys that are. So, Jonathan
1: Murray's another guard who's having an an amazing year, but he's on a bad team.
0: Yeah, he's been a walking triple-double. I saw him in person. I've been to – I'm going to another game Monday. I've been to three games in January. I saw last night I saw Austin Rivers make seven threes in Brooklyn. Oh, a couple of weeks ago, I watched uh, Dejounte put up 25 and three quarters, and RJ Barrett to go for 31. This time, I'm expecting the Kings to lose by 50, but for Buddy Heal to make 10 threes. Yes, I need to see a Cav <laughs> game again. They're not. I'm on the, Most of you listeners, folks, know I'm not in Cleveland. I'm hoping to get there end of this year or next year. I'm in New Jersey, which means I have the Nets and the Knicks. And if I really want to make a trip, I can have the Sixers too. Got the Cavs once, didn't see Allen or Markkanen or Mobley's. They were all out. The people in my row were kind of mad too. I didn't know if they were Cavs or Nets fans. It was kind of weird. Like, yeah, we like Jared Allen a lot. I'm like, okay, but do you like the Cavs? Oh, we like Ed Davis too, but do you like the Cavs? <laughs> <laughs> I never found out. But, you know, I mean, Aaron, you know, I'm sure the same with you. You want to see your team first, but when you can get to a game in person, you, you see you see big performances in a different light,
1: right? Yeah, there's nothing like that. And the last Clippers home game that I was at, they actually beat the Phoenix Suns. And that was before Phoenix just stopped losing. And that was uh, without Aiton and Devin Booker. So the Clippers had that going for them. But, yeah, it was, a, it was a good competitive game that the Clippers came out on top. And it was a good time. I hope you can see the Cavs soon and healthy. largely healthy, I guess. They won't be healthy this year, but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, that's it. You saw Chandler Hutchison. You saw Ishmael Wainwright. You saw the backups of the Suns, and you saw – let's see who we had. You had Marcus Morris, one off. Reggie. Reggie.
1: Yeah, Yeah. JaVale McGee started at center. That was before they signed Biombo, I think. Yeah, Biombo has been –
0: they might have to trade McGee at the deadline to get an extra guard or something to replace Alfred Payton as a third string because Biombo has been – Beyond fantastic, to make a bad pun. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but he, he's been good. It's been it's been a great season, and obviously we'll we'll switch gears a little bit to Cleveland. Obviously, Aaron, you're somebody that like myself before I had to cross the Cavs, where I'd watch the Cavs, but I'd watch everybody. Um, you follow the whole league, and so that being said, you're a Clippers fan. You're in a Pacific time zone. You're in Cali. I'm here on the East Coast, but what are some of your takeaways on the Cavs' 30 and 19 start as they've lost Colin? They've lost Rubio? They've won a couple in a row. They beat the Bucks without Lowry Marketing. They've beaten the Knicks without Jared Allen and Lowry Marketing. They just, nothing can slow them down.
1: They've been a breath of fresh air. They're red hot right now. They've won eight of their last nine, I believe. And I think they are the hottest team in the East other than maybe the Miami Heat and Philadelphia 76ers. Those three have just been scorching lately, and it's a really interesting Eastern Conference landscape where it's pretty deep and balanced, but you look at the standings, and it's so close. I was looking at it just before we got on, and if the Cavaliers lost to the Bucks instead of beating them, on Wednesday night, they would be sixth in the conference as opposed to third, which really speaks to how close it is. It's like a team like the Chicago Bulls can have a phenomenal start to the season, and then some guys um, get injured or go into the protocols, and they they, um, stop playing consistent basketball. They could drop into the play-in game almost. So it's pretty wild to see the turnaround also, just that um, the Cavaliers have made happen. It's a young team. And I could talk about a lot of different aspects, but I think the defense, led by Evan Mobley, but it's a team-wide effort, has been the most exciting, pleasant surprise. Yeah, I, I
0: appreciate the Mobley love. He's been so much fun to watch. But here's the crazy things. I'm pulling out rookie stat leaders right now. Mobley's third in scoring behind Wagner and Cunningham. Cade is second among rookies in assists and he is sixth in rebounds. You know, you start looking at shooting percentages, he probably tails off a little bit. Cade not shooting the high, shooting the high forty percent. Like Cade's been incredible, and won't even get a single first place vote. Franz Wagner's averaging sixteen and five with three assists, won't get a single first place vote. Scotty Barnes, fifteen and eight, he's been a beast. Jalen Green, when he's played, has been fantastic. And then you got Josh Giddy who's literally putting up rebound, assist, double doubles right now, and he's not even a top five rookie in the last ladder. Like this, this has been an absolutely incredible class. Then we have Herb Jones out of nowhere playing high level ball. We have elite Davion Mitchell on the defensive end. I saw Cam Thomas shooting like T Mac last night, and that's not even including his pal Kessler Edwards, the Rockets' backup center. You know, Alperin Shangoon. We have OKC's Aaron Wiggins and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. The Rockets also have Josh Christopher. There are, this isn't really that impressive, but there's, let's see, we have 35 rookies averaging at least five points, which sounds like it's not a lot, but that means they're pretty much making two baskets a night in the NBA. There's, and you have Yurtsin was putting up 15 rebounds a game for a month for the Heat, and he's not even going to be in probably the Rising Stars game. Like, it, it's been an incredible class. So for Evan Mobley, Aaron, you know, to average 15 and 8 with three assists, he's putting up two blocks, he's Hitting some threes, he's hit clutch baskets. I mean, he doesn't look like like a kid out there. And yes, free throws have really tailed off. That has to get fixed. But he hasn't done anything wrong this year. It seems like for a rookie at his age, it's
1: it's really cool to see. Not only is he a Trojan, uh, but which I love. But it's just like you said, he's just such a solid, fundamentally sound player, and you don't usually get that out of a guy who only spent one year in college. Usually raw is the word that you hear associated with a guy like that. And he doesn't really have a lot that he has to fine tune. He's a pretty complete player already, as it is. You said the free throws, and you're right, it has to be cleaned up. But it's not just the defense where he's blocking shots. It's also just he's just such an efficient scorer and – it's not like he's putting up these empty numbers on a bad team. This Cavaliers team is one of the best in the NBA, and that's no exaggeration, and, and he's one of the centerpieces. So I could, I could talk about him all day. We should probably stop there.
0: Yeah, we should probably stop. Evan Noble Monday <laughs> is still four days away, so we should probably hold on. And unfortunately, <laughs> and even worse, there's no game for three more days, and it's going to overlap. I'm not still be watching, but it's going to overlap the NFC Championship game, so it's going to be a long, a long Sunday. But you know, a couple other hookies. To shout out. I mean, I ran through a bunch of names. Kumenga has been great for your boy, Brandon Boston, had, had some crazy shots. I hear Williams, who played with Bronny Williams, with Bronny James, now in the NBA. Deron Sharp, Ayo Desumu. Ayo, sorry. I'd never heard his name out loud, so I still thought it was Ayo. I'm trying to get some attention. Ayo Dasumu. Ayo. So now I know from my previous wonders an And obviously, Bone Thailand and Jalen Suggs. I don't know how I forgot him, but incredible rookie class with the new Rising Stars format. We'll see guys actually trying. In the game and going off, but okay. So we talked about Evan Mowgli. Here are some thoughts on Kevin Love here, Aaron, because we look at his numbers after he went off on the Bucks last night. Here, his per game, he is averaging 14.2 points, seven rebounds, two assists, shooting splits of 43, 40, 44, 40, and 87. Did did you see this coming, or did you kind of expect a Kevin Love just bad year, traded the deadline? I didn't even expect him to be in the rotation when the year started. To be completely honest, but he has been incredible all season.
1: No, I'd definitely be lying to say that I saw this coming. There was a lot of talk when we had you on, and that was in was that November? Yeah, that was November. Yeah, and right um, after the yeah, second I was believe. out for the year. We
0: found out while we were on together.
1: Yeah, it's brutal. Um, but yeah, we talked about this, and just the underlying sentiment. Yeah around Kevin Love was he does he's saying he doesn't want to get traded, but the Cavaliers don't want his contract. It's, it's a weird fit with this young team. So he's probably going to play off the bench, but it could be a distraction. Maybe, hopefully he's a professional. He's been throughout his career, but it just seemed like a little bit of a weird fit. And he's been excellent off the bench. I didn't expect him to be hitting so many threes at such a high rate. You referenced it. And you have to go back to the 2017-18 season where he was shooting over 40% from three. He's nearly 41% this season. And he's also rebounding really well. And, I mean, that's what he's done his whole career. It shouldn't be in retrospect so surprising. He's only 33 which isn't that old when you take care of yourself like someone like Kevin Love does. And um, like I said, he's been a consummate professional. So it shouldn't be surprising that that he's not disruptive at all. But I'm sure a big part of of, uh, it going well is the team is winning. And I'm happy for Kevin Love in that respect, too, because he's had to endure a lot of losing since coming over to Cleveland. And some of that is his fault. A lot of it isn't. So I think that's good to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what are your thoughts on Rajon Rondo? Because you had him for a little while last season. He's only played five games for the Cavs. He's missed more games than he's played in with a hamstring issue. But he took the last shot against the Knicks, missed it. They so got a defensive stop and still won. He, he's hit some threes. You know, he's averaging about two makes a game at a 40% clip. He's averaging nine, four, and five and four for us. Do you, do, you, do you like his fit in Cleveland? Did you like him with the Clippers? Do you think he's kind of just a veteran that can play short, short efficient stretches at this point in his career?
1: More the last thing that you said, I was more curious to ask you your thoughts because the sample size has been so small. He's only been on the Cavaliers for five games. And there were, there were two weeks where he was out after his first three games. So he hasn't really been able to get into a flow. But, of course, he's really needed with Ricky Rubio now out for the year, too. So, I would think that he'll be relied upon for 15 to 20 minutes per game off the bench just to get those assists, fine guys. Hopefully, in my opinion, he'll be more effective if he doesn't take that many shots and keeps his turnovers down. But he is a good facilitator. He's... He's getting up there in age, and so, I mean, I think it made a lot of sense that the Clippers moved on from him. He's he's solid. He just won't bring anything spectacular at this stage, but I do think that it makes sense that Cleveland brought him in just given how thin they are at guard with those injuries to Saxton and Rubio. And, and then also – Teddy Osman's a wing. He's not a point guard, obviously, but someone like him has been incredibly inconsistent, and so anytime you can bring in a quality veteran off the bench, it certainly helps.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like him. I think that he fits in pretty well with with uh, with the identity and with the culture. I love. Watching him uh, get the ball to, to trailers for quick threes, it's worked really well with Kevin Love. You know, I, I missed the Bucks game, unfortunately, which was probably the best of their 30 wins so far. I mean, we've said that many times over. This is their best win of the season. And obviously, looking at this, I saw they were down 11 in the first quarter. I kept, I didn't keep tight tabs. I just, uh, put out a feeler on how the game was going. Everyone was telling me I was missing the clinic. They were playing great. So I was very happy to see that. I haven't seen many of the highlights yet besides Mobley. They called it a poster. He definitely didn't poster Giannis. He certainly dunked on him, but he did not poster him. But the fact that he wasn't phased when the two-time MVP and the Defensive Player of the Year went right up with him, I mean, that speaks volumes. Because Giannis shifted the finals with his ability to block shots. Here's Evan Mobley, just chilling, 20 years old, living a good life, dunking on him like it's nothing. I mean... (laughs) It's been just so fun, this whole team. I mean, without marketing to do that. I mean, Jetty Osman and Kevin Love combined for 48. I'm getting great minutes from Lamar Stevens, who reminds me of a different version. Adela Vadova, undrafted guy, wears number eight. He improves his offensive game a little bit. He plays hard as hell. Defense, hard-nosed as can be. And, I mean, their identity is just defense, spread the ball, and get the ball to the bigs inside. Allen's been remarkable at 16 and 12. You know, Mobley's had so many great moments. I mean, Kevin Love is the least big, big we, we have, and maybe among all in the NBA, but he still gets some buckets in the paint. You know, he, he finds moments. He's the rebounds, only 1.1 1. 1 a game, but that's solid. That means he's got 43 on the season. He, he's hung around the basket a little bit, and at the end of the day, I think we found a winning formula and, you know, could lose in the first round, could make it to the conference finals with how close things are. It's all about how you seed. But, Aaron, here's the crazy thing. I didn't see this coming. It seems like there's a great chance we're not going to see the Cavaliers in the play-in, which was probably a best-case scenario to most fans, even the big ones,
1: coming into the year. I know. They're looking like they have a decent shot of the top four seed, too, which I never would have guessed going into the season.
0: I imagine here we are just turning on the TV and seeing a seven-game series with a Game Seven in Ohio, whatever round it is. It's first if there's an upset, in the second whatever. Like that, you really don't see Game Sevens in Ohio. I mean, I don't. I don't remember the Cavs' last home Game Seven in the playoffs. It might have been Indiana, but they might have also had one on the road. I mean, I'm going to pull that up while we're still recording. But they, they, they all their older Game Sevens come with them as underdogs, but I mean, just to think there'd be a winner-take-all. Okay, Game 7 was in Cleveland. We were the four seed. Okay, so that was, I believe, the last one. Game, game 7 against Boston was in Boston in 2018, which is what made it even more impressive that they won. But,
1: you know, you
0: think about basketball, and you think about a city that they got their title with LeBron, and he left, and the Browns just went back to, I don't know what happened to them this year on the football side. You got the newly named Guardians pretty bleak future, you know, Lindor left, all the money he got, you know, goodbye. You think about the other guys are going to trade again. I'm a little out of touch with baseball. I know they're in a lockout right now, but I don't think the year is projected great. I I don't know if Cavs fans that are also Blue Jackets fans associate them with the Cavs in the same way, because they do play in Columbus, which I know is not very close to Cleveland. Same would go for the crew, but you know, nonetheless, You know, I think, Aaron, this is great for the city. I mean, Larry Nance Jr. did so much for the economy. He's gone. Not that trading him plummeted the Cleveland economy, but he kept a lot of businesses afloat last year with his game-worn jerseys, you know, taking donations and bringing attention. But I think it's really great for a city that really hasn't had a lot to cheer about besides that one title uh, six years ago.
1: Yeah, you explained that well. It has to be so exciting with LeBron James now gone and not a lot of other things to cheer about. And it's cool how they're doing it with such a young core. And and then they, they have some strategically placed veterans like Kevin Love, as we mentioned before. But they're doing it on both sides of the ball. They have a strong offense, but their defense is really shining. Another stat I wanted to cite is that they allow the fewest free throw attempts per game. And so that's one way that that they – and it's not going to be a a flashy or sexy thing, but when you look at the stats, that makes a huge difference. Opponents are averaging 17.9 free throw attempts per game. So not when you don't allow the other team to get those easy points, those freebies, that really helps you be in a much better position to succeed. And and then also just forcing those turnovers – that Bucks game that you were talking about, Giannis committed seven turnovers, and that was no coincidence. He's an MVP contender this season. He's not the leader, but he's an MVP contender for a reason, and anytime you can disrupt a guy like that in that way, that's going to put you in an excellent position to succeed. Yeah,
0: I mean, the best teams in the league couldn't put, put the clamps on him in the playoffs at all something that last wow. year, which has happened for years. I mean, lesser teams did it, but the ones last year just could not touch him. And you bring up a great stat about the Cavs being number one in fewest free throws allowed, fewest makes and attempts. And then you look at two-point field goal percentage team shoot 51%. That's a bit high, but then you look at the three-point percentage defense, six fewest makes, seven fewest attempts, seventh worst seventh best – I don't know how to say best or worst. Teams shoot 33% from three against the Cavs, pretty much. So, that, that's saying a lot. Yeah. I mean, we're in a league where 100 is bad. You need to get 110. They allow 102 points a game. You know, they do so many things so well. And just on the offensive side, another 52-point field goal percentage. They're seven seventh and a fifth. I never thought that would be the case again, to, to be completely honest. And They're the sixth-best field goal
1: percentage team. So, three things <laughs> – so I just wanted to follow up on the three-point defense and the field goal percentage defense. Last season, they ranked 28th in opposing three-point percentage at 38.3, or you know what I mean, but the, the third yep. worst percentage. Um, yeah, and now they're seventh best at limiting opponents from beyond the arc at 33.9%. And then opposing field goal percentage was next to worst last year at 48.4. Only the Sacramento Kings were worse. And this season, they're seventh best at 44.2%. So it's not just the interior defense. It's guys like Isaac Okoro on on the perimeter and and others. Darius Garland, Pesky defense, just just doing things like that to disrupt the other team's flow. That's
0: absolutely mind-boggling. I knew it was bad but I really haven't checked them. on the – I'm more of a check the record versus a check the numbers guy so I don't want to read really this looking at that. But that's, that's – that's incredible. I mean, that's what, 25 spots up? I mean, you think about last it's year's crazy. lineup. yeah. Then they had Garland and Sexton, I mean, a little different than having a core with the two. But not, nonetheless, we're not blaming any of what happened on the negative side because both guys were doing – Garland missed pretty much the last month. And you think about the whole season when it got worse and they lost 13 straight. But Collin was absolutely filling it up and doing enough on the other side. They'll be fine when they get both back next year. That's for another day. But think about their personnel and the length they have now. You know, Lamar Stevens, Markin and Mobley and Alm are starting with Garland. They have length at every spot. Even with Markin and out, they have the wingspan of Dean Wade. They have the shooting of Jetty Osman playing a different role now. Kevin Love leading the second unit means that more people struggle with him because their team's... They usually want to start with the better defenders when they can and bring the scores off the bench, and that really has benefited Kevin Love. I, I, If the Cavs had a third game with Golden State, I would venture to guess that we'd see Kevin Love get more looks against Juan Toscano, who is a very good defender, and Nemanja Belita than he'd get against Draymond or Looney or whoever else was on him. So that's been big, and I mean... You know, the three factors I was going to mention pretty much are just consistent ball movement between Garland and Rondo. Mm-hmm. Mobley and Allen have been able to make some good dimes as well. That's one. Number two is just length. And we talk about it. the trio of bigs, Markin and Mobley and Allen have just been elite at what they do. Markin will hopefully be back just before the All-Star break. And then number three is making threes for so long, you know, we we're just bottom of the pack and you know, all what? They're seventeenth in makes, twenty to the tenth, fourteenth percentage that what nineteen or twenty last night. You know. Yeah, sorry, getting back to it. You know, they're making threes like at nineteen last night, if at twenty in other games. And, you know, we think on it and those types of games are brand new. Like if you can hit 16, 17 threes, Aaron, and you've seen the Clippers do this a lot. You could beat any team, even the Phoenix Suns, on any given night. And that's pretty much what the Cavs have shown.
1: Yeah, it helps so much. And we just were talking about all the different things that the Cavaliers do well in a playoff scenario against a really good team. If the other team takes one thing away, then if you have all these other things in your tool belt, in your repertoire, then you're just so much more difficult to beat, and that's how I see this Cavaliers team. I, I think that there are going to be one difficult out in the playoffs. It's not like I don't think that the right expectation now should just be this is a young team. Let's get into the playoffs, and we don't need to win around. They may be the underdog going into that first round matchup, but still, if you're a Cavaliers fan, you should see this as a realistic shot of advancing at least one round because they're too good just to be easily eliminated and and see it just getting in as a success at this point.
0: Yeah, you know, this year, the whole thing has just been such a, you might use the phrase breath of fresh air, and I, I can't phrase that better. And so as we look ahead, Cavs still have thirty-three games. A lot can happen this year, Aaron. But mm-hmm. we're gonna quick playoff projection. Who know we don't know who's gonna see where, but if you had to tell me what teams would give the Cavs the biggest issues in the playoffs this year, who would you say?
1: Hmm. I have to think about that for a second. But one thing off the bat that I did look into was Cleveland's upcoming schedule and it's fairly easy from my perspective through the end of February. So I think this is an opportunity now, knock on wood, that they're relatively healthy, that they can start to create some distance between themselves and some of the teams in the East. Now looking at it now, I'm not so sure, because the teams that are close to them are Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Chicago, Miami. So um, even if they can tread water and be around the – they should be in a decent position going forward. Um, I'm going to say Miami and Philadelphia yes. and Milwaukee. Okay. I think are three of the the scarier teams, just because they all have a lot of length. Um, how they looked against Milwaukee Wednesday night definitely bodes well, but you know Milwaukee's going to have an answer. Oh, yeah. And uh, Giannis is just so long, and Middleton has a lot of length. I don't know if Brook Lopez is going to be healthy. Probably not. But yeah, what we what they've gotten out of Portis has been phenomenal this season. And Drew Holiday is so pesky defensively. It's just hard to count out the reigning champions. It's kind, It's almost like they're. It seems like they're pacing themselves this this season. Like they're just are getting ready for the stretch run, so if I were the Cavs, I would not want to face the Bucks, especially in the first round. If that was a four or five matchup or something, uh, I, think, I think the Bucks will maybe be a higher seed than four, but that would be brutal—a four or five matchup against the Bucks. Um, and Philadelphia and Miami just scare me because of how hot they are lately, and yeah. both teams are really deep, especially Miami. They've gotten um, a lot from from role players with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo missing so many games and them not really skipping a beat. Um, I don't know. Chicago is a little bit of a, a difficult one because they started off so hot. They've fallen on tougher times as of late, but they have a really strong starting lineup, and especially if they can get Lonzo Ball back before the playoffs they have a really good starting core and uh that could pose some problems for Cleveland. And that's also um I believe that their last Cleveland's last loss was to the Bulls, if I'm not mistaken. it was. Yep.
0: The game with Caruso's return the game before Grayson Allen didn't want him to come back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really hard to speculate The East, like I said before, is just so deep, and there are a lot of good teams with with quality players. But Cleveland's length really does help. And also another thing I really like about them with regard to their playoff chances is that Cleveland plays a pretty slow pace, and in the playoffs, the pace tends to slow down a lot. So I think that some of these faster-paced teams will have to adjust more than a team like Cleveland would. Yeah, and I think a great comparison could even be last year's Hawks,
0: whereas we mm-hmm. might it a little higher. You know, you have your point guard that can throw lobs to the big or hit the floater. Garland to Allen and Mobley is the same as Trey to Capella and Collins. You know, it's been incredible to watch all season. And you got you got your – Solid defensive wing players and shooters. You would probably compare Sexton as a better version of Bogdanovich from last year's version. And from the first round, you probably to Koro as a little worse than DeAndre Hunter because Hunter was a much better shooter. And when he was out, you know, Kevin Herter, very similar sets. You have your backup big that'll come in, you go smaller, quote unquote, with your power forward, playing center for a bit. Collins and Mobley do that. And you, except the Hawks took teams by surprise. The Cavs certainly have not, I mean, this is the regular season versus the playoffs, but you know, at the end of the day, I think here are the teams for me. I mentioned this on my episode a couple of days ago. I think you want to avoid Milwaukee, at absolutely at all costs. I think they're like the one, and that that was. I believe let me. Pull up the standings again. So I'm not forgetting someone really obvious. I think I wanted to avoid Atlanta if they got into the play-in and we ended up in the top two because I think if they keep enough together, the Hawks are half game out of the play-in. Like they're not as bad as people think they are right now.
1: So mm-hmm. I want to
0: avoid them, and I want I want to avoid the top three. Believe it or not, are Milwaukee, Boston, and Atlanta. Not Miami, not Chicago. I'm not worried about Philly. We can we can handle them in seven. Uh, Brooklyn. I don't even know who they're gonna have on the court. You know, I think you think about the Cavs. And the defense that they have. At the end of the day, just avoid the Bucks because they just want a title. It doesn't matter that Bootenholzer's the coach. He's done enough. He's proven himself. That team is lethal. Literally, avoid injuries too against them now. It's sad I have to say that. Yeah. But if I think Aaron, if the Cavs can avoid the Bucks, we might be going to the conference finals.
1: Yeah. Cleveland um also is one and two against Brooklyn. They did beat them the last time, and Kyrie Irving did suit up. There was no Durant, but I feel like I should have mentioned Brooklyn just because if they have Harden, Kyrie, and Durant all together. But that's a huge if, and I don't know. I assume that still home playoff games, if Kyrie Irving is not vaccinated, he won't be, um, I assume that uh he won't be suiting up for home playoff games but yeah you're right it's a huge if we don't know if they're going to have their stars on the court. Brooklyn just scares me. It's just I just uh think that it's it's just presumptuous that um some people have Brooklyn as the scariest or one of the scariest teams in the east because I'm just I'm not a big proponent of flipping a switch. They would always say that about LeBron James over the course of his career. And a lot of times his teams did kind of flip a switch and they got to the finals, but it's a lot harder for most mere mortals. So um, the yeah. Nets have to prove that they can do it, I think, a little bit in the regular season. I'm not going to be afraid of them if they're just, uh, they have at least one or two stars missing every game or so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll see how it ends up going. But, folks,
0: that will bring us to the end of this edition of Across the Cab. Again, this is Episode 96, Season 8, Episode 5, Aaron Fishman of On the NBA Beat. I appreciate you coming on and joining me today. Thanks, Zach. Exactly. It was fun. All right. So, for Aaron Fishman, I am Zach Weiss. This has been Across the Cavs. We will see you next Thursday. And Justin Rowan coming on for an evening recording. Should be fun. Until then, see ya.